Hey guys, Darren Watts here. Uh, before we get into this podcast, I just want to throw a disclaimer out there for everybody that's listening. Firstly, I appreciate everybody taking the time to listen to me. But if anybody is listening to this podcast for the sake of advice, well, for the sake of actually trying to solicit advice from a professional, professional, then I'm not your guy. I would recommend that you listen to another podcast that has just that, a professional mental health personnel, psychologist, and all of them. But if you're listening to me just to hear my story, hear other people's story, and just solicited uh, some knowledge or some educational stuff from what I read, then this is the podcast for you to listen to. But other than that, thank you for listening, and enjoy this podcast. Okay. So, the better question to how we can actually combat and help with racism and mental health, I believe... Like, in my opinion, which I really wouldn't like to say in my opinion, because what I'm about to say is pretty much a fact, but more in a sense, it's really just an opinion. What I think of help, straight up, is when people, when people can decide, especially white people, when they decide that they can get out of their comfort zone. I'm not talking about the comfort zone to success. I'm not talking about the comfort zone of any other different origins of your life. I'm talking about the comfort zone of racism. When they do that, when they get out of their comfort zone, that's when I believe that a lot of changes could be made. A lot of changes could aptly, actually happen. I truly believe that. And here's why I believe that. I believe that because many times that, you know, the people of color has you know, stepped up to be, you know, strong and heroic doing different things, you know, it kind of, it kind of changed, you know, the universe in a way that you can actually start believing in, you know, the color of people. But at the same time, you also have a narrative that anything above just a regular white person actually doing things, it wouldn't necessarily mean anything. It just wouldn't. You know, because you see this every day, every given day, where people will go and just be like, oh man, I would love to see a black person doing this. I'd love to see a black person doing that. We've seen that with Barack Obama. 
44 presidents of the United States. We've seen that. Um, there are a lot of uh, different things. Um, Kanaji Brown, I believe that's her name. That's another one. You know, we, we, you know, everything has a step. Everything. So, I think when it comes to mental health and racism, the treatment of equality is not 100% there. It's more of the 20% range. That's where it stands, the 20%. Maybe even lower. So, I just want people to think about, like... How would people respond to different cause of mental health and racism for color people versus white people? I want you to balance that and I want you to think about that as, you know, most of these topics are going to be talked about. I want everybody to sit down and think about that. That's the message. I'm back. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to uh, another edition of Breaking Mental Health with Durham. Of course, I'm Durham. So, I just did the message, of course. And um, um, here in the hot few seconds, I'm going to do my journey, your journey. I'm going to continue with um, domestic violence. This is uh, part six of domestic violence. And due to it, um, I'm going to actually do a brief honorary for the month of March. Uh, I didn't get to do it uh, last week because um, I just come across it uh, a few days after recording. After the recording, um, I'm going to. Um, doing awareness for um, the month of March or the times of these recordings. And it's going to be um, Bleeding Disorders Awareness Month. And so March is really the bleeders, uh, Bleeding uh, Disorder Awareness Month. And I'm going to talk a little bit about um, um, bleeding disorders and stuff like that. So stay tuned for that also. But right now, I'm going to do my journey, your journey. So, my journey, your journey. Um, once again, of course, uh, hit me up on emails. Um, on my email, of course, um, breakingmiddleh at gmail.com. Uh, if you don't have that, I know a lot of people have social media, hit me up on the DMs. Um, Twitter, at Love University, and uh, Instagram at Love University. I want also one. Um, I want everybody to write me their experience if they have on the Magic Mind Shot drinks. I said I was going to kind of pick up the tab here a little bit on that, but I just want to know everybody's experience on. Uh, 
uh, magic my energy shots. If anybody has taken it, what did it do? What kind of effects? How long the effects and stuff like that? So just tell me your story about that. And also the other thing, um, we gotta we gotta have the racism conversation. We gotta have mental health conversations. Um, I do a little bit here at the beginning of the podcast to kind of bring up a little bit of uh, the importance of it. Uh, sometimes give my viewpoints or I read an article here and there and stuff like that. Um, I know I'm gonna get into more about my experience and some of that stuff, but just hit me up. I want to know your thoughts also. Um, it's a well-needed, uncomfortable talk. So, let's get this. Okay. So, before I go any further, um, let me do this announcement real quick. I know that um, every month of the year that there is some type of form of um, mental health awareness. Um, this month, I didn't get to do it last week, um, because I just did some research on it a few days after the, um, podcast I did. Um, that month of March, um, I'm going to be doing here in a few minutes, in a hot second, um, for the month of March, Bleeding Disorders Awareness Month, um, I just want to just pick, um, some thoughts about this and there are a lot of questions about it that you know um actually really needs answers so i'm going to be doing that for the whole entire month of uh, march and also in, um month of may i will be doing an everyday podcast for 31 days in honor of um world mental health awareness month I'm going to be doing different things for the whole entire 31 days um, on a week by week. And I'm just going to be talking about different things for the mental health sake. So I hope everybody joins me in May. Um, looking forward to it. And because that would be kind of like um, my time's in of my dissolvement of my job, which I'm, you know, excited about I can't you know I can't I, I'll be lying if I said I was uh you know upset I mean you know upset and stuff like that I would be lying if I said that but God honest truth I am very excited about it so just join me on uh, May and we'll be doing World Mental Health Day uh, not day month sorry Bleeding Disorders Awareness Month. There has been a lot of things. Back in year one, I did, uh, towards the end of the uh, year one, I had did uh, an episode on uh, PMDD. Um, that was kind of like a premenstrual, a premenstrual disorder. Kind of like um, I did, I did a show on that, and pretty much that just uh, has some unexplained ordeals about 
um, menstrual periods when it comes down to um, women. And they also, women also have, you know, suffer some mental health behind that. Um, I recommend that you, you know, get some time. Go back to year one if you haven't heard it. Um, recommend that you listen to it. So, fast forwarding to right now, of this recording, month of March is doing Bleeding Awareness, uh, Disorders Awareness Month, and that's a lot of questions that really just need, you know, answers, but, you know, you're not really going to get the answers, so it is always best that you do your research. So, let's take a look at some things that I have actually um, come up with. Um, bleeding disorders are a group of conditions in which there is a problem with the body's blood clotting process. Now, let me be the first to tell you, I didn't really know that, you know, blood clotting could be actually part of a bleeding disorder. You know, I had, you know, some ideas about, you know, bleeding disorders and the causes of why, but I didn't think it would be because of blood clotting. Call me stupid, but I'm in a learning process, so don't judge me. So... The symptoms of uh, blood or bleeding uh, disorders, uh, extending bleeding after injury, surgery, trauma, or uh, um, menstruation, or, you know, um, menstrual. Uh, frequent prolonged bleeding, prolonged uh, heavy menstrual periods, uh, unexplained nosebleeds, um, extended bleeding after minor cuts, blood draws, or vaccinations, uh, minor surgery, or dental procedures. Um, the, the other important thing that um, I think that we have to sit down and look at when it comes down to the bleeding disorder, um, how many people are actually impacted by um, you know, these disorders? So according to the U.S. Centers of Disease, Disease Control, there's about 3 million people nationwide who are affected by, by uh, bleeding disorders. Um, the common disorders are between 30,000 and 33,000 people in the U.S. are thought to live with hemophilia. Uh, the most common bleeding disorder is von Willebrand disease, uh, VWD which affects about every one in every 100 people. Both hemophilia and VWD are classified as rare diseases. Um, so I'm sitting here and I'm looking, you know, online, trying to um, find some answers. Um, because I have noticed, well, I haven't noticed, but experiencing now 
that there's people that I know that are actually experiencing, you know, heavy bleeding, heavy blood and all of that. And I've been trying for a long time to try to figure out, you know, the purpose. What's a cure for a lot of these things? But menstrual periods are not the only ones. You know, there's vaginal bleeding, there's uh, bruising, uh, you know, gastro, um, gastrointestinal intestinal bleeding, uh, nosebleeds, um, blood to the urine, under the skin, you know. But them are the type of symptoms, believe it or not. Um, but you also have like these words I can't even pronounce. So I'm going to talk about that next week. And I'm pretty sure that I will find the right pronunciations for these words because I am not for a take the time to try to pronounce it. These words, these are Nicole words. So uh, let me <laughs> kind of pass that. Um, so when I'm looking up um, menstrual bleeding, um, this is what I see. Uh, heavy menstrual bleeding, which is formerly called menorrhagia, is when your periods are extremely heavy or prolonged. Heavy means that your uh, period lasts longer than seven days or that you uh, lose more blood than is typical during uh, menstruation. You may bleed so much that you have to change your tampon or pad every hour for several hours back to back. You may pass blood clots to the size of a quarter or even large. Oh, excuse me. I am so sorry. Whew. Uh, that happens when you have a big meal. <sighs> ah. Anyway, uh, menstrual bleeding uh, that's so heavy that it interferes with your daily life is never normal. Uh, your provider can recommend treatments to manage heavy blood flow. Uh, how common are heavy periods? Um, they're common, believe it or not, um, affecting anywhere from 27% to 54% of people who menstruate. So can it be serious? Uh, heavy menstrual bleeding can be serious if you lose so much blood that you show signs of anemia. Anemia is a condition arising from having too little iron in your body. Anemia can be life-threatening without treatment. Also, some of the conditions that can be caused heavy period of bleeding like cancer require early medical intervention. Uh, speak with your healthcare provider, of course, um, to discuss any risks related to your period bleeding. Um, evidently, for the month of March, they talk about this as being a serious, um, not necessarily a mental health ordeal, but women's health of uh, bleeding and heavy blood because this is a serious topic and that needs to you know bring some kind of awareness to it it it's a you know a, a heavier line of how 
and win. So that's why they say it's, you know, actually important that you talk to your um, healthcare provider about it. Um, so systems and causes. Uh, what are the signs and symptoms of heavy menstrual bleeding? Uh, abdominal pain, periods that last longer than seven days. Uh, passing blood clots that are the size of a quarter or bigger. Uh, blood that may appear red, pink, brown, or even rust-like. Uh, bleeding one or more tampons or pads each hour for more than two consecutive hours. Uh, losing more than 80 milliliters of blood during a period instead of what is typical 35 to 40. Anemia symptoms, uh, feeling exhausted, tired, or short of breath. Uh, with anemia, you may know the signs of a condition called PICA. PICA symptoms include hair loss, pale skin, and the urge, uh, well, and the urge to eat non-food items, uh, paper, hair, dirt, etc. Uh, so you provide if you have these symptoms. I didn't know that. Uh, so how do you know if you have heavy menstrual bleeding? A heavy menstrual bleeding interferes with the quality of your life. Many people with heavy periods assume their periods are supposed to be inconvenient and un uncomfortable. They may have watched people in their families live with the heavy periods without seeking care and followed their example. But periods should never cause you to restrict activities or accept inconvenience. Uh, during your period, you should be able to wear a standard pad or tampon every three to four hours without changing it. Wear a single menstrual product without having to double up, wearing two pads or two tampons at the same time, at any point. Uh, leave your home without having to pack extra bags of pads or clothing. Changes. And live your life as usual, without missing work, avoiding going out in public, or skipping activities you enjoy. Um, so if your periods are disrupting your life, it's time to see your provider. Um... I would get more deeper into this next week. Um, try to find some answers, some very important answers. I just wanted to introduce it and speak on experience of uh, um, other people that are experiencing this. So, um, March of um, bleeders uh, uh, disorders awareness month. We will continue that next week. Police officer charged with domestic violence assault. And it's funny, I just had a notification that just popped up. And now I just lost it. Um, this is 
Um, I'm gonna have to get back to that. Um, so this is funny. This is uh, this. Last week I talked about. Um, there was I think it was Taylor Frankie Paul, if I'm correct. Yes, that is that it was in Utah, and now this is in Utah. It's interesting. A Woods Cross police officer has been charged after a domestic violence incident involving his fiance. Uh, the officer was charged Thursday, March 2nd, in the 2nd District Court with aggravated assault, of domestic violence, third degree felony, unlawful detention, domestic violence, uh, Class B misdemeanor, and criminal mischief, domestic violence, Class B misdemeanor. On February 18th, Syracuse police officers investigated the domestic violence incident, which reportedly started at the couple's home in Davis County. The victim told police that she and her fiancé got into an argument, and he became upset and damaged a dresser by punching it, the affidavit states. So, let me just start off by saying this. I'm going to reread that. The victim told police that she and her fiancé got into an argument and he became upset and damaged a dresser by punching it. The affidavit states. Okay. I know that even though I'm not finished reading it, and I know there are a lot of people that they don't understand this. It's like, okay, why did he get arrested? I mean, why is it that she mentioned that in the affidavit. Why did she like? Why did she mention that to police? Because either way, that is still domestic violence. Even though she, he didn't physically abuse her, you damaged a dresser by punching it because you got into it with your fiance. That is the one sign that you're heading into the domestic violence situation. There are more signs than this, but that right there was the beginning sign. That was the beginning sign. So she told police that she had felt unsafe. So she allegedly got dressed, grabbed the backpack, went downstairs, and walked towards the garage. The victim stated that she, as she was attempting to leave, her fiancé grabbed her by the neck and choked her. That is violence. Pinning her against the refrigerator, he allegedly held onto her throat for about 15 seconds before letting her go. The affidavit states that she did not lose conscience but did get dizzy. A Syracuse police officer reportedly observed abrasions on her neck, which were consistent with being choked. She then tried to leave the home another way, but her fiancé grabbed the backpack she was wearing and threw her down to the floor. The affidavit states, she was, reportedly un well, she was reportedly able to wiggle out of the backpack and escape the home, at which time she went to the Syracuse Police Department to report the uh, incident. An investigating officer went to speak with the Woods Cross officer in the home and found that he was clearly intoxicated, the affidavit states. The man reportedly told police 
that he did get into a verbal argument with the victim, but did not recall putting hands on her. <sighs> the Woods Cross officer allowed police to look throughout the home where they reportedly found the damaged dresser, as well as a backpack lying in the center of the living room. The backpack was face, found face down with the straps facing up, which is consistent to what the victim said, uh, the affidavit states. Um, this uh, investigation is still pending and is still going, and there was no other further information available. But do let me say this. I know that a lot of people, when they get drunk, that they do, some people react differently when it comes to alcohol. I did a series on that also, by the way, uh, in year one. You can check that out also. I know a lot of people react differently when it comes to alcohol, that a lot of people may not remember things, and some people uh, do, don't, or whatever. But in my personal opinion, I'm just going to give it to you flat out. He knows exactly what he did. And let me explain why. If you remember, if you remember, and you admit that you actually got into an argument with her, but you don't re recall choking her or putting her hands on her, you remember what you did. Now you just gave yourself reasoning to get yourself in trouble by admitting what you did. You straight up admitted that you got into an altercation, got into an argument, excuse me. You got into an argument with your fiance. That's enough right there. So fuck the part that you didn't remember that you put your hands on it. You just admitted that you got into it with her. You got into a, an argument. Straight up. Now, you just found yourself guilty because you admitted to what you did. If he had kept his mouth shut, the police would not have been able to identify anything. But what also hurt him was the damaged dresser. That's what also hurt him. If he'd have kept his mouth shut, that damaged dresser could have been something from anything else without him admitting fault. So everything he did, he knows and remembers. So if anybody is willing to change my mind for me, please do. Email me. If you listen to this podcast, email me. Uh, hit me up in the DMs. Help me change my mind. That was from the Utah News, ABC4.com. Have the link. I will have the link in the uh, in the description. Anybody choose that they want to read it. Um. So it, it, it's all mind-boggling, believe it or not. It's it's just amazing on what people can do when it comes down to domestic violence. Washington. 
I appreciate y'all for listening. Uh, Seattle and Vancouver, Washington, to say the least. I appreciate y'all for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I will. I am about to right now read stats from domestic violence in Washington. And by the way, as we speak on that, um, I believe Utah. Um, I have some listeners there too. Not much, but I do have listeners there, and I appreciate y'all too. Um, I appreciate y'all listening. Um, let's go ahead and look at this real quick for uh, domestic violence in Washington. Forty-one point four percent of Washington women and thirty-one point. 31.7% of Washington men experience intimate partner physical violence, intimate partner rape, or intimate partner stalking in their lifetimes. On a single day in 2020, 75% of the domestic violence programs in Washington served 2,306 survivors. 603 of the requests for help went unmet due to lack of resources. Between 2006 and 2015, a firearm was used in 50%, 56% of domestic violence-related homicides. Uh, in 2020, domestic violence offenses comprised 49.7% of all crimes against persons. In 2020, Washington had 302 homicides. 20% of these were domestic violence offenses. And intimate partners were, I'm sorry, intimate partners committed more than 30% of aggravated assaults and, more, and almost 30% of rapes. Uh, Intimate partners committed almost 60% of abductions in the state of Washington in 2020. An estimated 28.3% of Washington women will face stalking victimization in their lifetime. Uh, Between 2006 and 2015, firearms were used in 56% of Washington intimate partner homicides. Ooh. Okay, they... Put that down twice. Okay. Um, uh, as of December 31st, 2020, Washington has submitted 608 domestic violence Dominican convic- conviction and 234 protective order order records to the NICS index. Uh, between 2006 and 2015, there were 50,688 active protection orders in the National Crime Information Center for Washington, uh, 23,924 of which had a disqualifying Brady indicator. Did you know one in three women and one in four men in the United States have experienced some form of physical violence by an intimate partner? On a single day in 2020, domestic violence hotlines received 21,321 calls, an average of almost 15 calls every minute. In 2018, domestic violence accounted for 20% of all violent crime, Abuses access to firearms increases the risk of intimate partner femicide approximately 1,000%. When firearms have been used in the most severe abuse incident, the the risk increases 41-fold. 65% of all murder-suicides involve an intimate partner. Uh, 96% of the victims of these crimes are are female. Uh, Domestic violence-related firearms laws in Washington. Domestic violence and dating misdemeanors are prohibited from possessing firearms, including intimate partner stalking uh, misdemeanors. Uh, respondents to final protective orders are prohibited 
from possessing firearms, including dating partners, and are required to relinquish their firearms. In some cases, judges either shall or may require respondents to ex parte protective orders to relinquish their firearms and shall or may prohibit them from possessing firearms. Okay, so that was for the state of Washington, domestic violence stats for that. I'm just going to say this. Um, I've learned uh, a little bit here. Um, before I did this recording, I did a learn, uh, learn a little bit. Um, if anybody has sat down, uh, and firstly, before I even continue, um, I have to um, acknowledge Darren for this. I have to thank him for it because I didn't do it in person, but I know he listened to this podcast. Uh, I do have to thank him for actually recommending um, the problem uh, with John Stewart. Um, he touches up on a lot of things that goes on in this economy, in this world, and he's real good at it. Um, it's on uh, Apple TV Plus. Uh, if anybody actually watches it, you know what I'm talking about. Anybody that don't, I recommend you watch it. Um, but I do want to thank Darren for uh, recommending me. Uh, he had me watch a clip on um, gun laws. From um, from uh, I think it was I can't remember governor or something like that from uh, Oklahoma. I can't even remember his name, but he happened to, you know, he's kind of crooked about the whole gun laws in Oklahoma. I'm not gonna spill out the whole disclaimer, but I'm just gonna say he just made it crooked. But I will say, for the most of the fact that the gun laws here everywhere is pretty fucked up because we have more guns than more fists. Yeah, they're physically there. Believe it or not, they're physically there. But there are more trigger fingers with guns versus fists being broken or bruised or hurt. I would rather see fists being hurt, broken, bruised, whatever, fingers, whatever, in a fight to live another day versus people pulling a happy trigger on a gun in a domestic violence relationship that you will have higher chances of dying and little less risk of not surviving. That's what I would rather see. Like, there are so many people that are pressing for the you know, gun companies to be open for the sake of money. Like, I'm telling you, money's not really everything. It's not everything. Yes, it will cost a lot of people their jobs, yes. But let the NRH handle all that. You know, most of these guns do not even, don't even 
need to belong to a lot of these people. One quick story. I was also watching Josh Stewart. And I came across the episode that Darren also recommended me again about two ladies that was involved in domestic violence relationships. This is this is how crazy that domestic violence can be when it comes to um, guns. So, one lady was abused by um, her then-husband, and he had owned 74 guns. That includes rifles. So when she put the... Um, when she put the um, protective uh, order, or the protection order, against him, that gave them every right to take all of his guns away. All but one. Right, all but one. Because the other gun was in his truck, and they let him leave with that gun. That was the same gun that he ended up shooting her and paralyzing her from the waist down five days later after they seized all the other 73 guns. That right there doesn't really help when you have a protective order protection order that really requires you to take all of the guns away. And they let them keep one of them. They let them keep one. And you know how frustrating that is. And she's terrified for her life because he still got that gun. And he could do anything. And so that infuriated him when she threw that protective order, uh, protection order in his face. That infuriated him. And so he, he became even more of a pussy, went to go get that gun that police let him keep, and shot her up with it. The laws of these guns are really just getting out of hand. It's getting out of hand. We're not taking away a lot of guns, but we're adding a lot more guns than needed. And they're getting into the wrong hands. And so simple solution is always this. This person needs to be, uh, this person needs to be armed. This person needs to be armed. This person needs to be armed. How many more people need to be armed? How about taking away some of these guns? How about that? Mass shootings, school shootings, all these shootings. Now, all of a sudden, you want to add more guns because they want you to be armed? School teachers have to be armed. The science teacher has to be armed. The gym teacher has to be armed. The grocery store clerk has to be armed. Why? Why? It just feels like now you're giving up hope. 
That's exactly what the hell that is. You feel like you're giving up hope. Police feel like, oh, that ain't our problem no more. Let's just say, hey, y'all need to be armed. Republicans saying the same thing. Oh, they need to be armed. I wish everybody understood the bigotry of that. I really wish the, I really wish people would. Because there's too much problems with these gun laws, which leads to domestic violence. And I'm reading out stats for different states. Why? Why are we doing this to ourselves? So, we're sitting here and we're twirling our thumbs for no reason. We're literally twirling our thumbs for no reason. Okay, fine, whatever. The more problems that you bring, the more problems that we're going to have. But okay, that has to change. It has to change. That's all I have. I appreciate everybody listening to me. I appreciate everybody that takes the time to listen to me. I really, really appreciate it. Um, join me again next week. I'm going in uh, continuing bleeding disorder awareness month. Um, I am going to wrap this up of uh, domestic violence part seven. This is the last one. After that, I will be getting into a little bit of bits, its eclipse of uh, different news going on in domestic violence, also, not to mentioning uh, mental health and racism. So, um, join me next week. Say it, say it again. Hit me up on the DMs of Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Twitter loves university. Instagram loves university. Hit me up on the email. BreakingMiddleH at gmail.com. Hit me up. But until then, stay true to yourself. And always remember, when it comes to listening, you are one step closer to bringing awareness. Let's go.